Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Nearly everyone I know has had a bad dream about missing a test, not being prepared for a test, or oversleeping an alarm before a final exam. Sometimes they are recurring dreams that torment us, tests weigh on us, Students ask teachers when covering material, particularly at the end of a term, will this be on the test? In my classroom teaching days, I always took those questions as, do I really have to pay attention to this? (laughs) My answer always is yes. Listen for the word of God in Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire, and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on top of the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. 
The angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son, So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first line of our scripture passage today lets us in on a secret that Abraham does not seem to know, namely that what follows is a test. While during this passage, Abraham is very much awake, this test could very well be described as a nightmare. But before that we hear that it's a test, we get the phrase, after these things. I got to thinking about what these things were, what things made God or led God to test Abraham. Could it be that God wasn't quite sure what Abraham would do? Could God trust Abraham? Abraham? Did Abraham have faith in God? Did Abraham believe that God would ask this of him? This particular story is quite terrifying, and yet it's a pivotal passage in Jewish, Muslim, and Christian faith traditions. We lift up Abraham as a man of great faith. We know it as the title of the sacrifice of Isaac. Our Jewish brothers and sisters refer to it as the binding of Isaac, or the Akedah, meaning binding. Each year on Rosh Hashanah, or the Jewish New Year service, the Akedah is read every year. Our brothers and sisters have considered this story for a very long time, and we have a lot we can learn from them. And yet we don't like this story. We don't like to think about this story because there are some very difficult issues. And frankly, we all like happier stories. I mean, how else do you explain the popularity of the Hallmark Channel? I will readily admit that I tune in in the month of December for good heartwarming story, but uh, today's passage would never be a movie on the Hallmark Channel. It is way too tough. Today's passage bookends the first call of Abraham in Genesis 12, which reads, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In Genesis 12, God calls Abraham to a life of promise, a future. Today's passage is anything but promise or future. This call is about the obedience on a horrific topic of child sacrifice. And not just child sacrifice, but the sacrifice of the future and seemingly all the covenants promised. In the book of Genesis, God made covenants before with other people. And being human, people did not always follow through with their end of the bargain. God had relationships with people from the beginning, and all of the people failed at some point or another. 
Adam and Eve were told to enjoy the fruit of all trees in the garden except for that one, but they were tempted. Adam and Eve wondered, why not enjoy the fruit? Cain and Abel, Noah and his children, all fallible humans. For Abraham, over the course of Genesis, he has gone where God has called. And while Abraham has done what God has asked, he seems to have wavered in his actions a little bit, or at least taken a few matters into his own hands. Earlier in Genesis, Abraham expresses his concern for his own personal well-being by allowing Sarah to be a concubine for not one, but two different rulers. Did he trust God for his safety enough, or did he worry too much about the power of other rulers? Abraham does get into conversations with God about protecting the lives of righteous folk who might live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham, you might remember, negotiates down from blasting the whole city off the face of the earth to okay where maybe 10 righteous people. Abraham is bold to speak up to God, but only sometimes, it seems. God tells Abraham he will be a father of many nations. He doesn't wait for a child with Sarah. He goes ahead and has a child with Hagar, the household slave. Abraham seems to have one thing in common with me. I am an impatient person. I want what I want, and I want it when I want it, which is usually very soon after I decide I want something. So when I locked my keys in my office on Friday afternoon, I had to wait until my office mate came in later. It's practicing patience, right? Abraham wavers, hedges his bets, and is impatient despite God making a covenant after covenant with him about land and offspring for a promised future. Ah, but the future. How long do we have to wait? When Jay and I waited nine years for children, it seemed like forever. But we were in our 20s and 30s and not past the age of child-rearing and waiting another 25 years like Abraham and Sarah. So when it comes to this passage, I have some questions. I have a lot of questions. First of all, Really, God? Why did you have the need to test Abraham? Is this a test of obedience? Of faith? Just what in the heck is being tested? God, you asked what of Abraham? Why on earth did God ask Abraham to sacrifice his long-awaited son? Why is a question we ask so often about things that just do not have an explanation. But we sure want to know why, don't we? For us, the question may be, was it something I've done? Something I failed to do? Why, oh God? Then I'm really curious about this three-day journey. What was that journey like? Did they go in silence, we hear no conversation, or did they have pleasant conversation? Of course, could Abraham talk in pleasantries when he knew what was coming? Could you cut the tension with a knife? They had one. What happened on the way? What on earth was going on in Abraham's mind? 
Why didn't Abraham question God? Why was Abraham silent? What kind of person responds as Abraham did to a horrific ask without protest? Why didn't he protest like he did about Sodom and Gomorrah? We know he had a close enough relationship with God to bargain. Why would he not speak up now of all times? Then I have a few questions about the family dynamics. Why did they leave so early? Was it to keep Sarah in the dark, perhaps literally? What did Sarah know about this? What happened in the relationship between Abraham and Sarah? Did Sarah forgive Abraham for nearly sacrificing her son? Did Sarah ever speak to Abraham again? Clues from the next chapters of Genesis tell us that following this story, the next thing we hear about is Sarah's death. And Sarah lived some 20 miles from Abraham at the time of her death in Hebron while Abraham was living in Beersheba. What was going on in Isaac's mind? Did Abraham and Isaac ever speak again? We don't have any words between the two in Scripture ever again. Could these relationships ever be repaired? What was family like after this whole thing? Was there a family? What's Isaac's relationship with God after this? At least we know his son had a relationship with God, wrestling with him. And, and Isaac, whose name means laughter, were you able to laugh again? Then I have some questions turning the story as a mirror to ourselves. Could I have done this to give up my own child? Does God test us in a particular way, us as individuals? God asked Abraham to give up the thing he most cherished. So if God is personal, and I believe God is, and comes to each of us asking to relinquish the thing we hold most dear so we can understand, so our understanding of what God wants from us grows too. How does this story compare to other religions of the time? Did child sacrifice happen in those? Oh yes, it sure did. What comparison can we make between the story of Isaac being bound and the sacrifice of Jesus? The question that many theologians that I listened to uh, this week had the question, is God trustworthy? What kind of God asked someone to kill their own child, especially if this child was the long-awaited-for child of their old age? Is this the God I'm supposed to worship? Does God ask too much of us? Could I or anyone have such faith? I have so many questions. I bet you do too. That's the thing about Scripture. 
We learn from it and from each other when we ask those questions. You might notice I gave very few answers because I don't have answers. I just have questions. I'm not a fan of black and white issues when it comes to Scripture. I live in the messy middle gray, but that's not to say we cannot learn a lot from the Akeda, the binding of Isaac. So what are we supposed to take away from this story? I think we hear that God is in this story because of some of the themes that appear elsewhere in Scripture. God calls people by name, sometimes to very uncomfortable things. How about the power of that holy number three, the number of times that Abraham responds in this passage to questions of him by saying, here I am. On the third day, the sacrifice and the son being returned to life. God provides. The one who is to be sacrificed carries his own wood, the instrument of death on his own back. A little bit like Jesus. Things we might learn. God does not condone child sacrifice despite the call to Abraham setting God's people apart from their neighboring nations of the day. God was a man who trusted in God. God does provide and a ram for the sacrifice this time. And God answers. Not always on our time, the time we would choose, but just in time, in perhaps unexpected ways. So the big question I have is where is the good news here? Why do we come back to the story of Genesis over and over? It speaks to our own questions of faith and about what faith requires of us and what God requires of us. Perhaps a little later in the scripture, we can hear from one passage that perhaps we all know. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? Embodying and living this requirement is the fullest and highest expression of our faith. May we do so today and every day. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week. Thank you.